Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, I'm joined by Robert Young as we review episode two of the Marvel animated series, What If, titled, What If T'Challa Become Became a Star-Lord? Hey, Robert, welcome back. Hey, back for another good one. Back for another good one. Um, I, I told Robert before we started recording that I may cry during this podcast recording. So I don't want you to freak out because some guys, once they hear women crying, they're like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> but, you know, this is this is a safe place. You know, I'm sure yeah. other people will be having feelings about this episode. I mean, well, I'll start with you, Robert, because I, I was just so overwhelmed with a lot of emotions. But can you just kind of give us a breakdown or a synopsis of what episode two is about and what your thoughts about it were? Yeah, it seemed like they just took the premise, you know, the whole uh, nature nurture premise and kind of stuck T'Challa in there, you know, switching him out with Peter Quill and seeing if, you know, the T'Challa that we saw in Black Panther, you know, the kind of like noble, pure heart T'Challa would still be the same if he was brought up as a ravager. And wow, this was they did like such a fantastic job with this. This mm-hmm. went like nowhere where I expected it to go. Yes. And the, just some of the character interactions we got were just out of this world. Yeah, I agree. I just, um, I, I like for me, I would have never thought to put those two things together. You know what I mean? Like the ca- Captain, uh, you know, Peggy Carter becoming Captain Carter to me is like a natural evolution of a wedding, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But this one, because, you know, the star, because Peter Quill's world and T'Challa's world are so polar, such polar opposites, but it made perfect sense. It's like certain foods you put together, you're like, in in theory, it shouldn't taste good. <laughs> you shouldn't put the two of them together, like pineapple and pizza. Right. Uh, but then, oh, you're team pineapple and pizza, right? No, I don't not- really care. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I will eat it, but it's not something I, you know, I love. I love you anyway, Robert. I you. <laughs> <laughs> but I get you. But you see, you're not one of those obnoxious anti-pizza. No, 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 no. I will definitely people. eat it. I will yeah. definitely eat it. Yeah. But it was like, but I think because of the fact that, like, when I thought about it, it, it made perfect sense to me because of the fact that the T'Challa that we know in the, re- you know, in the comics and um, in the MCU, uh, the, the uh, live action iteration, he's somebody who's very insular right like when we met black panther like t'challa was someone who was very he was very much a separatist he was like you know i don't or at least at the beginning of black panther he was like i really don't want to get involved with the messiness of the outside world and he was very much about protecting you know his nation and um you know his people and then to just kind of make that little you know slight twinge where it's like but what if we meet when we meet T'Challa as a young child in this episode of what if he's someone who's very um, curious, very curious about the outside world. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and just, you know, it's very believable that if he got the chance to, like, go explore outer space, something that he probably even never thought of as a kid. Mm-hmm. that he would you know he'd be you know want to take that opportunity even though he was kind of tricked into it 
Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the funny part is, so what we realize is that, so we know in Guardians of the Galaxy, because we'll be going back between Guardians of the Galaxy, Gu- Guardians of the Galaxy and Black Panther. Um, you know, in the the beginning of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, we know that Peter Quill is the son of Ego, right? Well, we find this out in Guardians of the Galaxy too. Um, and so he's half celestial, I guess you'll say, right? Yes. Um, yeah, he's half a celestial. And so in this episode of What If, uh, the 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 twist here is that Yondu is not the one who left the ship to get Peter Quill. He dispatches two of his minions. That's what I'm going to say. Or, you know, <laughs> uh, two of his minions. He was like, listen, go get, you know, Ego's son for me. And then <laughs> I don't know how they ended up in Wakanda. I think what happened is they probably read off of the signatures of the plat- of the uh, vibranium. And so I right. guess they figured, I guess they figured, okay, well, vibranium seems to be like this cosmic entity. That should be where Ego's son should be. So by reading the vibranium reading, they go to Wakanda. And just at that moment, that is when, I guess he was like 10 or 11, this this younger T'Challa um, actually left the force field that surrounds Wakanda. And he's out in the fields and the minions pick him up and bring him back to the ship. And mm-hmm. Yandu is like, what are y'all doing? And so Yandu pushes up like a, a picture of a young Peter. He was like, do those two look alike? Because clearly Peter is white and, you know, T'Challa is black and the minions are like, well, all humans look alike to me. I, yo, I could not stop laughing at that. <laughs> yeah. If you look at from their <laughs> viewpoint, you know, they, they don't see humans all the time. So <laughs> it makes sense. Because <laughs> And, and it, was, it, it was a wonderful way to explain it because I was like, how are they going to explain them accidentally picking up an African child as opposed <laughs> to this blonde haired, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so it, it was just a great way to just be like, oh, they're humans. They all look alike. You know what I mean? Which, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And people say things like, oh, all Asians look alike, all black people. You know what I mean? And so they just, so it's a, it's a different type of racism. It's an intergalactic racism, right? <laughs> Where we're just like, all humans look alike. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And so basically Yandu becomes his uh, second father. Yandu, I think kind of gives T'Challa the opportunity to go back. Um, so it's technically not really a kidnapping. I mean, initially, yes. But then Yandu was like, do you want to go back? And, you know, T'Challa's like, no. He was like, you know, I really want to, because he's already in space and he's looking out into the stars. He was like, listen, I'm already here. Let's go. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it fast yeah. forwards into the, you know, into present day, which is kind of like the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, Right. Right. Uh, where Peter steals what he doesn't know to be is actually one of the infinity stones. I, I don't think they really get into it in this episode, but yeah. So it's pretty much like the same setup in the beginning of um, guardians of the galaxy. And uh, who is it? Um, who is I don't uh, know Jim- that character's name. Yeah. Jaiman, but Jaiman, Jaiman Hansu. Yeah. Yes, character. And they actually got him back. Um, some of the talent from the original movies are actually back, which is really cool. So, of course, we have Chadwick Boseman, who is voicing T'Challa. Um, I believe Michael Rooker yep. is back, right? Yep. And he voices Yondu. Josh Brolin is back. Oh, my God. They got... Was that really him? That yeah. Was most, oh, yeah. If you look at the intro wow, credit, wow, it, it wow. just read like the movie. Mm, I love it. So, let's talk about this. Since we're, we, we put out Josh Brolin out there. So... We know, so he steals, and uh, we have this really funny montage of T'Challa fighting Jaiman's character, um, and he's just great. 
great fighting skills or whatever. And then of course Yandu comes and saves, you know, the day and, you know, they, they collect what they were there for and they go to a bar to celebrate. And Can we pause so- for a minute? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So the big difference between T'Challa and Peter Quill is like mm-hmm. they had like when they were trying to capture him, they had like super respect for mm-hmm. the T'Challa version yes. of Star Lord. Yes. Where whereas when Peter Quill did it, they were like, "Who are you?" <laughs> That's so true. So Star Lord uh, like means a totally different thing in this universe. Absolutely. And then the, and then the other thing I wanted to note is mm-hmm. that the name mm-hmm. of the ship was the Mandela. Did you notice that? No, I did not. Yeah, when the ship took off from the planet, the name of yeah. the ship on the wing was the Mandela, whereas uh, Peter Quill called it the Benatar, I think was named after Pat Benatar. And that makes sense. Yeah, because you yep. have to. And that's, it's like, and I love that you bring that up because I totally missed that. It's all these like attentions to details that I'm seeing in what if. is like, okay, so if you flip, these character trajectories right like Mm -hmm. then you have to make these trajectories uh custom fit to who they are right and you know we talk about themes and and i loved what you said earlier about uh the thing with uh t'challa i think you said it earlier like the the earlier uh one of the themes you picked up in in this episode um last week's episode was about I guess you could say feminism, right? And Mm -hmm. about women being in the room, right? That was a recurrent theme in episode one. And so in episode two, could you remind me again? I think you said you you had picked up on one of the themes. Yeah, the the nature versus nurture. Like no matter where where T'Challa were to be raised, he would still Mm -hmm. have that, that noble heart to his core, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, yeah. And I think the nature versus nurture debate here is is done so well. And yeah, he's just he's someone who has a good heart, even in the short time that he was raised by his parents. If it seems to me that T'Chaka and, and T'Challa's mother had really done a wonderful job of instilling this foundation of goodness and mm-hmm. morality, right? So like yes. you said, even though he was around these ravagers, because in the Guardians of the Galaxy, they were straight up mercenaries, okay? They were right. doing this for money. This iteration of Star-Lord, right? T'Challa is Star-Lord. They are now robber barons. They are yep. now stealing from the rich to give to the poor. And what's wonderful to see, what, what's so wonderful to see about this is that whereas in Guardians of the Galaxy, Yondu was a huge influence on Peter, in this version, T'Challa is a huge influence on Yondu and, yes. and basically changes Yondu in a really beautiful way, um, which I think if you think of the evolution while we met Yondu in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, he was kind of, you know, it's all about money. Towards the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, we really saw Yondu's heart when he right. sacrificed himself. So it's the, the paths are different. Right. But mm-hmm. I think the destinations are ultimately the same. Right. Right. While y- in whatever version you find of Yandu, there is going to be a journey of him looking to the greater good. And, and, and so, just like yeah. you were about to you mm-hmm. just like you were about to kind of like bring us earlier. He did the same thing with Thanos. <laughs> and that was and, and, you know, the thing is, and I think there's something else that I picked up on, too. Like you said, the fact that um, even in these different environments, T'Challa stayed true to who he was. I also think, too, that's 
just my opinion, is that he also, not only did he keep a sense of his morality, but he kept a sense of his blackness and, yes. who, he, and who he is. Because not to jump ahead, but there's a part in the end where Yandu and T'Challa are having a conversation and T'Challa says something to the effect of, you know, I, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, Wakanda was my home. And then this, you know, the Ravagers being in space, you guys became my home. And now I'm just trying to figure out where I fit in. And then Yandu says to him, he was like, wherever you are, you fit in there. And I think yes. as a black person watching that, it means something else. Like if he was having that conversation with Peter, it would have meant one thing. But I think the fact that Yandu said this to this black man, this African man, Right. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think about it. I, I don't know if the writers were really thinking about this, but I'm, I'm just thinking bigger. Historically, black people have always been shut out of the sci fi uh, genre, out of the comic book genre. Right. This yes. is something historically we've had to fight for. And now Yondu, who is, you know, an, I don't want to say an alien, but somebody who's not from Earth saying to this black man or this African man, you belong. Everywhere. The world like the galaxy is is literally at your feet. The yes. universe is literally at your feet. And like you said, he's respected. Yes, that's the kind, that's the same way I kind of took it too. And I, yeah. I guess we're just we're seeing it through, you know, our eyes as black people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I and I think that it was because I think you and I, you know, we're around the same age. And for us growing up, having to watch sci-fi shows mm. or supernatural mm -hmm. shows where we were either erased, where we totally were not there. Right. Especially in futuristic right. sci-fi. Right. It's, it's like black people were just died the fuck out. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> or you have this whitewashing of the future or, you know, we are there, but we're sort of like the magical Negro or mm -hmm. we're like the sacrificial Negro. We're always we, we, we serve as a catalyst for these white characters. Right. Yes. But we never really have our own story. We never really have our own agency. And to just see. T'Challa and by extension Chadwick, right? Mm -hmm. Um, just out there. I think it was beautiful. I, I think whoever came up with that idea to make him a Star Lord, that I just I just think that's beautiful. And I and I hope other black people who watch this episode will get that message as well. Cause I think ultimately that is the message that Chadwick in his real life was was trying to convey. I absolutely to, agree. Right? Not only to Hollywood, but to also for us as well. It's like there's there should be no limitations. There should be no limitations to the roles that we can play, the worlds that we can inhabit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I, di I digress. But anyway, um, getting back to this respect for T'Challa, right? And how he he is sort of like a catalyst of changing other people. People aren't changing him. He's changing them. Uh, we see after this heist, they're celebrating at this bar and it's sort of like this who's who of the MCU, right? Or the, the or at least that Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, world. like the cosmic M MCU. Yeah. The cosmic MCU. Oh my God. Listen, when uh, Thanos showed up, when he first came up, I was like, oh Lord, he's about to start some shit. And then he's <laughs> like, he's actually there to congratulate T'Challa. Well, I'll let you run with it and just kind of tell us what the breakdown of that scene was. Yeah, I well, it. I mean, we, yeah. we basically find out that he's part of T'Challa's crew <laughs> and that the way he became a part of T'Challa's crew is when he was going to, you know, enact his whole genocide plan for the universe. T'Challa actually talked him out of it. Basically, oh I mean, just the fact that, you know, that he, he, uh, <laughs> basically had a conversation 
mm-hmm. with with Thanos instead of you know the whole thing the Avengers went through is yes. just like crazy. Exactly. But didn't we say that like when Infinity War came out, right? Because we we read Infinity Gauntlet, right? And we know that uh-huh. there were some changes originally in the comic book. The reason, the motivation for uh for for Thanos or Thanos, what is it? Thanos or Thanos? We'll go with Thanos. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the 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 motivation for for Thanos collecting these gems and creating the Infinity Gauntlet is literally he was in love with death. Right. This was his courtship, right? Because he was mm-hmm. like, "What's the one thing you love more than anything, death?" She was like, "Souls." He was like, "Great, I'll give you half of the galaxy." <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? So it was like it was sort of like this intergalactic Sid and Nancy love story. <laughs> it was really twisted. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Because the more he tried to get her affection, the more she kind of pushed him away. You like it was just like this very dysfunctional. I think she did have feelings with Thanos. She was just playing hard to get, but <laughs> that's what I think. And yeah, but like in when we got to Infinity War, at least the MCU's version, the the motivation for Thanos and that was more like there's limited resources in the universe, right? Because we find out mm-hmm. that his his planet Titan had died out from like famine and disease, and so he was like, yeah. "I'm gonna, I want to spare the universe there. So if I get rid of half of the population, we'll have more resources, right?" But you right. and I had talked about that years ago. We we're like, that doesn't make any sense because if you have time, reality, if you have all these um, stones, you can literally fix the problem. That you yeah. were talking about, right? Like, if you're saying yeah. that there's not enough water and food, with the Infinity Stones, you can create more water and food, right? You know what I mean? Or And, and cure cancer and cure global warming. You could do all of that. So his, in, his motivations in the live-action movie didn't quite make sense to me. And Chadwick, in this story, kind of took a, a whole different thing. He's like, we can reallocate resources. We can steal from you know Mm -hmm. the rich or the people that are abusing resources and we can reallocate Mm -hmm. and help the people that need it and Thanos was like okay you know right right let me sign on to do this (laughs) yeah because because when you think about the again back to the live action MCU it was kind of like what you said the Avengers uh responded with violence right violence Mm -hmm. so it kept escalating they fought they fought I mean not that I mean, I'm not excusing what Thanos did because, like, that beginning of Infinity War effed me up. I was like, oh, right. you killed half the Asgardians? And then you right. killed... Who did he kill? He killed Heimdall. He yep, killed... he killed Loki. Loki. Yeah, I was just like... So he started... Like, he started shit. Let's just, let's just keep it clear. <laughs> okay, he started... But in this version of What If, T'Challa takes this... I don't know how far... In this episode, we don't know how far... Uh, Thanos had gotten in his plans or his machinations. But Mm -hmm. what we do know, like you said, is that T'Challa sat down and talked to him like an adult and was like, listen, your plan is, I'm sure T'Challa was like, your plan is dumb. And this is why I'm going to show you why your plan is, you know, and what you can do to be better. I mean, of course, if we had done that in the live action MCU, we wouldn't have gotten five hours of Infinity War and Endgame. That's not, nobody wants to watch that, okay? (laughs) Let's be clear. Nobody's going to want to watch Two people. I mean, of course, it's the right thing to do, but there's no, there's no drama, there's no conflict there. Right? It works great here with yes for this story and Absolutely. for for chat for uh, T'Challa. Yes, yes, you know where he was like, okay, you need to calm down and let's let's do this. And so it was really, I had to admit, Robert, it was actually fun to see like this gentler side of Thanos because. Uh, 
the thing with me is like, even within Infinity War and Endgame, while he did terrible things, I never really, I mean, he was a villain, but there was some pain there. Like I understood his motivations while they were totally wrong. I understood where he was coming from. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So there, was, there was there was a grain of humanity there. There were there were sparks of humanity that you saw. What can you say, humanity? Or you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like you saw yeah. something in him. But yeah, in this episode of What If, they're taking it to the conclusion. Like if you had people that kind of interceded and kind of talked to him, like what would Thanos be like? Yeah, and then. Mm-hmm. The, what they do with Nebula is just as interesting too because she's never been a character I've been interested in at all mm-hmm. and she you know her as kind of like the I'm not sure what you would kind of call that character but you could tell like she's kind of got this flirtatious relationship oh, she's, a, she's, a, she's a friend fatale yeah, oh, there you go. That's type. what I was trying to think of. That's yes. what I was trying to think of. Yeah, she is the perfect. Fem- I don't know who the voice actress is, but this was like so good. Oh, so they didn't get uh, Car- Karen Gillum. I don't. Is I that? don't think it's Karen Gillum. I don't know for sure. Okay. I didn't remember seeing her name though. She did a great job though, because she sounded like her. I thought that was her. Um, and the voice casting on this show so far two f- is like two for two. Even it's so good that the original actors who didn't come back, whichever actors that they hired, like in episode one, Josh Keaton, who was a a very talented voice actor, filled in for Chris Evans. And I'm telling you, Robert, I've watched this episode five times already. I still can't tell the difference between him and Chris Evans because he, he does sound just like Steve Rogers. He really does. <laughs> like he and it's not like a, a it's not like a mimicry. It's really more about like because if you listen to uh, to Chris Evans voice, um, he had there's a warmth there. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain way where his voice kind of peaks up and down with the emotions. And I think Josh nailed nailed it. Yeah, I think he probably listened to hours of interviews and performances and everything. So, yeah. So, yeah. So this this version of of Nebula was quite fascinating to me because, like, she's a babe. Okay, she is hot. I was like, oh. The blonde hair and the blue skin. Like, I almost didn't recognize her. Yeah. Um, Like, they leaned all the way into that. And and that's but she's fine. still a badass. She's still a badass, and I and clearly there is some sort of flirtation between her and T'Challa. I think there's some sort of sexual tension, sexual past because I love her nickname for him. It's Chaka. Ah, love I it. I love it. Love that. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, definitely slept together. Yeah, to- yeah, 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 they yeah totally bang. They totally bang. They totally they bang. Did. They're, and, they're pretty good at separating business and pleasure. And and the reason why I was not bothered by this couple, I mean, of course, we're used to seeing T'Challa with other black women. She was still a woman of color. She may be blue, but mm-hmm. she wasn't white. So I was fine with that. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> I, I love them. I love them together. I just loved her character here. It's, it's way more interesting I than the, the live action version. Yeah, which is interesting because... So this is, if you follow me here, this is actually kind of like the second time because I think you and I had discussed this um, in Endgame. I was definitely getting vibes between Nebula and Rhodey. Yeah, right? me too. Me too. There was, yeah. there was definitely, I mean, I'm not saying that they slept together or anything, but I think there was definitely a kinship between the mm-hmm. two of them, right? Because she's made out of robotic parts and now he has that, um, you know, having been injured in civil war he's got the prosthetics to help him walk right Right. and 
um, yeah, so I, I think that they really relate to each other. Like they're, they're injured in, in certain ways. And so, and the thing is, I think Rhodey saw Nebula's goodness. Yes, you know he did. I mean? Tony saw it first, right? Like other people saw it, but I think out of the Avengers, I think Rhodey definitely leaned in because I think some of the Avengers weren't quite trustful of Nebula and rightly so. But I think Rhodey saw something in her and I don't know what's going to happen in phase four, but I would not be against this pairing in the actual MCU. I wouldn't be against Rhodey and Nebula getting together. Oh, me either. Me either. Mm -hmm. I like that too. So, so, okay. So we're introduced to Nebula. There's clearly some sort of flirtation and respect between the two of them. And Nebula dispatches the ravagers, uh, (laughs) <laughs> to retrieve what was it what's the MacGuffin in this episode i forget oh man it was, a- it was some kind of like biological material that like terraforms planets and stuff yeah so basically can bring black to life a dying planet all of that and during the conversation between nebula and t'challa we find out that t'challa's T'Challa tells Nebula that Wakanda had been destroyed in a war. And so Nebula is like, oh, so I see I see what you're about. So basically your world was destroyed. And so you've dedicated your life to saving other worlds. Right. Mm -hmm. So once Nebula tells him what this. Oh, I'll just call it an an elixir. Let's just call it that elixir X, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, that it can, you know, uh, save dying planets. It can terraform plants, fauna, all of that. And T'Challa is like, yes, I'm in. He was like, this is this is what we're going to do. And then um, he approaches uh, the Ravagers with this mission. And Yandu is very against it. Once he finds out that the person that they have to get it from is the collector. Right. <laughs> we were, yes. we, when were we, we were uh, the ver- I feel like the very first time we saw the collector, it was like a post credit scene from Thor. Right. Thor, I Dark think you're Hulk. right. I think you're that, right. That's when we were introduced to the twins, to Wanda and Peter, because mm-hmm. the collector had them. Right? Yeah, they were in the, these boxes or whatever. So, yeah. So, in this this version of the collector in the MCU is a lot more formidable. I, I love say. this character too. I love it, and I was like, I would love. Uh, who was the actor who played him in the it's live? Benicio actor? del Toro, and he yes. did the voice. He yeah. did the and voice. He did the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if we ever do the multiverse live action MCU, which we know is coming, I kind of like this version. I'd love uh, uh, Benicio to come back to play this version of the Collector because he did not play. He, he was, was fantastic. He was, he was fantastic. Great. Super flamboyant. Very. I love this character. <laughs> His costume was too much. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah. So basically, you know, T'Challa talks to Yandu and he explains to him why it's important for them to get this to get you know elixir x because he was like listen everything we've been doing we've just been stealing pennies and he was like this is he was like instead of a stealing penny we need to rob the bank and so this elixir is what's gonna be like the game changer you know what I mean? right so many people the big like, heist the big heist and so yondu is like all right and so they go to the planet nowhere um, and they have like this elaborate plan, right? I mean, I don't want to. I get- love this whole, you it's know, heist. heist. Yeah, yes. with the whole with with Nebula narrating in the background, mm-hmm. it's just <laughs> so good. It was really good, and it was just like, and it, it what it did is, um, I don't know. Like for me, it's like I enjoyed it on the level of it being a heist, and then it also really showed a lot of character motivations. I always say mm-hmm. this about action movies: like you can have the best stunts. CGI, everything. If there's no character development, it does not work for me. 
It does not. An, an action movie is just that, you know, and I'll watch so it. And I'll never think of, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, but like with, with T'Challa. So throughout this heist, a couple of things happen. Number one, um, <laughs> we have a cameo from Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not really a Howard the duck, like the live action movie came out years ago. It was like, I'm very disturbed by the scene of him having sex with a human woman. I do not want to see that. Um, I was like, I don't do bestiality. Sorry, guys. And so <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was never going to watch that. Um, and so, yeah, so we meet Howard the Duck. It's a, it's a really cool cameo, though. I think it works. Yeah, and and I, I don't know who voiced him, but that was a really good I think someone character. said Seth, Seth Green, I think. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll double check, but I think they said it was Seth Green. Um, and so he helps T'Challa try to find Elixir X, right? Which is in mm-hmm. one of the whatever. And then, yeah, so they split up into teams just trying to help T'Challa. And then throughout uh, throughout this, T'Challa, when he tries to escape, because the, the plan is revealed to, uh, what is that? The Midnight Order, right? Is that what they're called? No. Uh, y- I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. Pro- Proxima Midnight. No, the Black mm-hmm. Order. Excuse the Black me. Order, yeah. The Black right. Order are basically like the private security guards for Yon, uh, for uh, the Collector. Uh, Team B creates this diversion to get the Black Order out of the place where the Elixir is. And of course, they figure it out. They start shutting all the doors down. And then T'Challa slides under the door. And then he's in this sort of like this hangar or this room with other spacecrafts. And he finds a Wakandan spacecraft. With right, free, his with, necklace. His necklace starts glowing. Yes. Once yes. he gets close to the the, the spacecraft, and he re, he finds out it's a Wakandan spacecraft. Yeah, and then you see a recording of his father, who looks much older, of course, which shows the passage of time. Basically, he they had sent out, um, you know, the Dora Milaje out in these spacecrafts. Clearly, if, if he has the ship, that means that the collector. Oh, Lord. Unfortunately, must have found them. And I don't want to know mm-hmm. what happened to the doors in that ship because you see the door costumes, but they're on mannequins sitting yep. where they. So I'm like, I don't even want to know what he did with those poor women. But we know that that's a Wakanda ship. And then that's when T'Challa realizes that Yandu had been lying to him because Yandu had told him that T'Challa, I mean, that Wakanda had been destroyed, whereas in actuality, his family had been out there looking for him for years and i think that was really sweet right yeah um and you know especially i i I just just quickly because it occurs to me because it's like you know the depictions of black family and black love are just so fucked up and so usually very pathological you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. and then to just kind of see like the love that this man had for his son like he never gave up looking for T'Challa. You know what yeah, I mean? Especially between black fathers and black sons. Like yes. it's really great to, to to see this kind of depiction. It is. And it, it kind of harkens back to the introduction when we were first introduced to T'Challa mm. in Civil War, right? And yep. so they they were at the Sokovian uh, uh, Accords and T'Challa's there. He's not really about all this pomp and circumstance and he's talking to Black Widow and then King T'Chaka comes by and it's just this really beautiful brief scene of T'Chaka thanking T'Challa for coming you know and he was like I know you don't really agree with these reports <laughs> but um, you know but you're here to support me because T- King T'Chaka was one of the signers of the Sokovia Accords um, and it also I mean in that I it wasn't until I just watched the episode today that it occurred to me because sometimes things come to you is that that really said a lot about who King T'Chaka was as a person. While we find out that he did 
some pretty bad mistakes in Black Panther, you know, having, mm-hmm. you know, his brother being killed and then leaving his nephew behind. And that's how Killmonger came to be. Big, big set of mistakes there. But that being said, the fact that even though in the beginning of Civil War, um, due to a mistake by Wanda, these Wakandan um, volunteers had been killed in that blast, that could have given T'Chaka and Wakanda all of the motivation in the world to wreak havoc. You know what I mean? Because they got the technology. They could have fucked some people up. But it showed how big of a person he was that, like, even with his own people dying on a mission of mercy, he saw the bigger picture. Yep. He al- that, yeah, he always has. He always yeah. has. It, it, King T'Chaka wasn't about revenge. He wasn't. And so we see that. So now when we see T'Challa in this episode of What If, it's like, oh, that's why he is the way he is. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, that. these are the things that his father taught him. You know what I mean? So his father, yeah. it wasn't a knee-jerk retaliation, like, oh, you killed my people. And so no, he was like, no, let's let's come up with some sort of agreement, right? Where uh-huh. this does not happen again. And you we can tell I mean? that mm-hmm. Ramonda is a big part of that too, just be be from this, mm-hmm. you know, small conversations he had with his mother during Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Now remind now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Ramonda his stepmother or his biological mother? Not that it matters, but I, I was always I feel well, like- it, I think in the movie it's supposed to be his biological mother. Oh, and, okay. And I think okay. in the movie, okay. in the comics, it's his stepmother. Yes, I remembered that. Yes, I did remember that. Okay, I mean, moms are moms. Um, yeah. But yes, I think Ramonda and um, T'Chaka just did a wonderful job raising him and everything. But I digress. So anyway, he finds the ship. Um, clearly, T'Chaka had been looking for his son all these years and had been sending ships. And so that's a great thing because now we know that the Wakandans are in space, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're making their own spaceships. Um, and so basically, uh, T'Challa uh, is not happy to find out about this. He he gets caught and thrown in a cell with Yandu and the rest of the Ravagers and he confronts Yandu and Yandu was like, you know, it was a lie. I understood, but it was like you just he was like, I just saw that you just wanted to see the universe. And I and yep. I didn't want I didn't want the past to hold you back. Right. Yep. So which which kind of tells me that something must have bad must have happened for Yondu. You know what I mean? But, in his past? Yeah, in his past. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And, but mm-hmm. the thing with T'Challa is that he didn't have a painful chi- childhood. He didn't like him deciding to go out into the universe. It wasn't him trying to run away from his dad. Like, I hate Wakanda and I hate my dad. It was really more just a sense of curiosity and a love of the unexplored. You know exactly. what I mean? So he doesn't have that torturous past that Yondu and maybe the rest of the Ravagers had. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. and, and I think that was also a beautiful message too. kind of what we were talking about earlier about he never let like Wakanda never left him. You know what I mean? While he may have left Wakanda physically, Wakanda was always within him spiritually, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And, and, and morally. Um, and that kind of extends to his blackness too. You know what I mean? And you could just tell like when he's yeah. in the ship, he like he has this whole meditation thing that he does. So yes. he, he <laughs> brought that with him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah. And so they they uh, come to find out and then we see Nebula. Nebula had initially seemed to double cross them, but it was a triple cross. And we find out that this was the plan all along because I love it. Yeah. The distraction was for T'Challa to be caught while uh, Nebula actually found the elixir. Right. And so, it's yep. you know, big action scene. They escape. And then, you know, we see. While they're escaping, uh, uh, Thanos stays behind to fight the rest of the 
you know, the soldiers and the Black Order in order for the Ravagers to escape. And Nebula comes and saves him. And I was just like, oh, we got so much good stuff in this episode. We did. Like they they were even able to fit in the whole, you know, uh-huh. Thanos Nebula daddy daughter situation into this episode. Absolutely. And I love the fact there, there was a part uh, earlier in the episode where Thanos was set, you know, he was still on this um the running one of the running jokes of the episode was how he was like, "Oh, you know, Everybody who, when he told them his plans, his original plans of the Infinity Stones, and everybody was like, well, that's genocide. And he was like, yeah. But he was like, but it's not genocide because it's random, right? He wasn't, you know, right. he, wasn't, uh, uh, he wasn't targeting a, t- a particular race or demographic or race. He was like, it's just random. It was just half of the universe. And they're like, nah, bro, that's still, <laughs> it's so messed up. And, I, and he I was like, that. it's still efficient. <laughs> it's still efficient. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I love the fact that they didn't wipe, they didn't erase the dysfunction between Nebula and Thanos. But I'm glad to see, like in this one, it, you can kind of see like there's definitely a foundation or germs or or seeds leading to some sort of reconciliation mm-hmm. between the two. So that was kind of sweet to see that because he was freaking awful to him and Gamora. In the live he action really movies, Ooh, he was a bad father. Oh, he was a terrible father. <laughs> and in this one, it was just sort of like, all right, you know. So yeah, um, but I, I, you were saying that you would be interested in seeing like a spinoff of like Thanos, just with and- them two. Yeah, with their their yeah. relationship. I just yeah. I just love it. Th- them going on adventures together would be pretty a pretty fun story. I think so too. Yeah, it was really cool. And so yeah, so um. You know, T'Challa t- decides, you know, he stays behind to take down the collector and then Yandu comes in. So it's two against one. And then they do something called the sticky finger move or whatever, <laughs> where they steal yep. the control bracelet. Right. Uh, from, from the his collector. Arm. Yeah. And then they throw him <laughs> in a cell <laughs> and then uh, they give the bracelet to one of his, uh, I guess, his was, assistant. Yes, I guess. Yes. And then she presses a button and then she frees all the people out of their cells and then opens up his cell. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. they killed him. You know, they killed yeah. him. Yeah. 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 So, they had yeah. everybody there. They had scrolls there. Cree, <laughs> like everybody. They did. And did you see the scene, the scene where, uh, when T'Challa and, uh, the collector were first fighting and the collector brought out this whole, arsenal of weapons love it did you see what he had in there Mm -hmm. i was like wow you saw the captain america shield yep he had mjolnir in there he had mjolnir which means that those that he had killed them right that he captured captain america or whatever um you saw mjolnir and then uh, which one did he start with uh he started with a blood elf blade that's it yes from thor the dark world yes and then he moved to the my girls uh, to my <laughs> girls i was just like wow that he- is- hella's headpiece yes and her sword right the necro necro yep. sword or something and like he that. and he looked almost as fabulous as her when he put it on too <laughs> you know he does at night he probably wears it <laughs> i was mm-hmm. just like you know what i'm saying like oh this is great because he seems to really really liked it um he but then yeah but they ended up beating his butt anyway they ended up uh, you know, defeating him and everything. And so, yeah, so everybody's saved. And that's when Yandu and T'Challa, you know, kind of hash it out 
you know, and Yandu apologizes. He was like, I didn't mean to, you know, he was like, you just seemed so eager as a kid. I, I you know, I didn't want to hurt you or whatever. And then that's when they have that really beautiful conversation about belonging, about, you know, when Yandu tells him you belong anywhere. And I have to but, admit, yeah. I, I just, I just started crying at that scene. I really, really did. Um, because, you know, on so many levels, I'm thinking like for the little, little black girl inside of me that just wanted to kind of see these stories and see, uh, see ourselves reflected in these stories. Mm-hmm. It only took us like 40 something years, but we finally got it. Um, and just thinking about, cause I wanted to talk to you, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll end uh, with this is just sort of like Chadwick Boseman's legacy and his influence on not only Black Panther, but on the, you know, but the Marvel shared universe as well. Um, I'll, I'll let you go first because I, I have I have some thoughts, <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. You know, I can't I can't think of a better way for them to, you know, kind of like wrap up his legacy. Mm-hmm. Like I was really looking forward to this uh, episode and I'm not sure if he shows up in other episodes. I hope maybe yeah, he does. They said he's in at least three other episodes. Oh, OK. OK. Mm-hmm. So that's great. But uh, this this story like this. I feel like this sums up this T'Challa character the best mm-hmm. uh, you possibly could in such a s- short time. I think this was like 32 minutes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, this is like the pure essence of T'Challa. And it's joyful. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of shows his heart mm-hmm. and how he always treated people, you know, so well. Not only, you know, in this with this character and in movies, but it seemed to be in his tr- true life that he did that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this this story just like nailed it. And I love that, you know, these are this, this is the last stuff we're going to see from him. But it's top notch. It's top notch. Yeah. Yeah. I just I'll say I think this is the part where I'm going to start crying, but I'm sorry. Um I met Chadwick two times. Um, The first time I interviewed him was for 42. Mm. And this was his first leading role. And so I flew out to LA. This was like one of my first junkets or whatever. And I specifically remember it was a Saturday morning. They did it at the Baseball Hall of Fame in California. I forget which which city. And so that specific day when I was supposed to talk to him, because I think I got 15 minutes alone with him one-on-one. And he had a cold. So, you know, I'm sitting there and then, you know, his assistant, the publicist comes out and they're like, you know, just to let you know, Chadwick is just feeling a little bit under the weather. And I think I, you know, I was kind of overhearing like he was in the corner and then, I, you know, they were like, you know, if you want to, you know, not do it or whatever. He was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? And I think because mm-hmm. he saw, he was like, oh, black women. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was like, oh, no, I'm going to do this interview. And he was just, you know, we didn't shake hands, of course, because he had a cold and everything. But because I loved 42, I loved his performance in it. And, you know, he just he just powered through it. He was like, I, I'm not feeling that great. I'm just going to let you know. But, you know, he was like, I'm just really excited about this movie. And I really want to talk to you about it. And he was just he was totally professional, you know, first leading role. Because when you're in the lead role, you're number one on the call sheet. You know what I mean? And so in a way, you're sort of like the leader of the actors and the crew. Like everybody's looking to you. Besides the director, you're looking at the lead actor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, he just had this grace and this poise, you know, and and his his success didn't come to him overnight. You know what I mean? Like this was like a 15, a 10, 15 year journey for him to even become a leading man. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. Because uh, funny enough, um, he actually started on All My Children. He started yeah, as, a, right. as a character named Reggie, but then they recast him with Michael B. Jordan, which was so funny, right? Wow. And that, and that for an actor, that could have been crushing where it's like, damn, I just got my first big role, but he didn't let it. You know what I mean? And then, of course, ironically, he and Michael would go on to play cousins in Black Panther. You know what I mean? So I always feel like the th- the things that we want that may not come to us, there's a reason why. Because there's yes. always something else. Some, it was That was meant for Michael B. Jordan. That wasn't meant. 42 was meant for Chadwick. You understand what I mean? Like those mm-hmm. sort of things. And so and then the second time I interviewed him was for Get On Up. And he remembered me, which was really crazy. And I was like, oh, wow. my God. Yeah. And he was like, I was like, I'm so glad to see you. And I was just like, and I, while I did not like that movie, Chadwick was impeccable. He was the only reason why I even sat through that mess of a movie, um, because he really was James Brown to me. And you could see he, he dedicated himself, the, the dancing, the all of that, the choreography, everything. He really dedicated himself to that role. Um, and so he was just, and I, to be honest with you, you know, like when you're in the journalism game or entertainment journalism, you hear stories about uh, celebrities, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's that public face that they give and the stuff that's behind the scenes where you're like, oh, they're terrible. I honestly can tell you, Robert, I've never heard anything sideways about Chadwick Boseman, ever. That's what I ever. hear from everybody. He was just a nice, and, and then just the things that he did with, We'll, we'll get to Black Panther, but just the way that he advocated for inclusivity in Hollywood and not in like this fake just representation matters, but like, no, not just representation, but quality of the material that we are getting. Right. Yes. Like it's not enough to just throw a black face on the screen. What is the motivation of this character? Who is this character? Who is, is this character serving or or just a plot point for a white person? Because Chadwick never took roles like that. If you look at his body of work, he was never about that. You know right. what I mean? Um, and I remember you told me a story. I'll, I'll let you share it. Um, what was it? 21 Bridges? It was some movie where he advocated for the female lead of this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I forget who the, the the female lead was on that movie. But yeah, mm-hmm. for her pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he wanted her pay to match his. I think that's wow. what he was advocating for on that movie. Wow. I forget who that actress is. But yeah. she said she'll never forget that. Oh, that's just... If can you imagine if more male actors could do that? If they could advocate for their female leads to get paid the same amount as them, I'm sure people will be like, "Oh, that's that one one person is more fit." Nah, uh-uh. If I'm doing the same amount of work, if I'm showing up on on the set, and I'm you know what I'm saying, I'm out there uh-huh. freezing whether I should get paid the same amount of money, right? because yeah. we heard about the ridiculous pay disparity between Mark Wahlberg. And Michelle Williams, right? Remember when they did that movie? Oh, yeah. The one that Kevin Spacey got kicked off of, right? That was with the Mm -hmm. kidnapping or whatever. And I think they had to do some reshoots. And they were giving Mark Wahlberg, like, something almost, like, upwards of, like, million dollars per day. And then Michelle Williams, they were giving her, like, scale pay or something like that. And I was like, I "I "I know you're not going to play in my face and tell me that Mark Wahlberg is worth more than Michelle Williams. Not in this lifetime and not no. in a million other lifetimes. That is never. I don't care. I don't care. Mark Wahlberg is a very sub. You know what I mean? Michelle Williams is like an Oscar nominated actress. Did she win an Oscar? I'm trying to remember if she did I or think not. she may, may have finally won one. I think she did. But yeah, I don't, I'm, she's been nominated numerous times. So. Yeah. And I was like, you 
I'm not going to play in this girl's face and not pay her. You know what I mean? And we're seeing it with, you know, Black Widow, with Scarlett Johansson fighting for, you know what I mean? And so it's just like to just hear this man use his influence and be like, you're going to pay my female co-star the same amount. You're paying me or pay her more. Oh, the world be so different. <laughs> by the way, by, by the way, it was Sienna Miller. That's oh, I like was. her. Oh, I like yeah. her. Yeah, you know, and that's what you got to do. You like, you know what I mean? And and that that harkens back to the first episode of the Captain Carter episode, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was really like, as much as it was for us, the women, like to show like this powerful woman coming into her own. That episode was really like a call out to the men, like y'all need to do better. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I yeah. agree. the The best mm-hmm. part of that episode is like mm-hmm. I didn't want there to be too much Steve because I mm-hmm. didn't want it to overshadow Peggy. Yes. But what they showed of Steve is how you should be supporting the women you know in your life. Hello. And, and-, <laughs> <laughs> and that you're like that. I don't include you in the men that I'm talking about. But <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah, like it, you know, we're on social media and we see the conversations and. You know what I mean? It's just like, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. It's like it, the people. It, it's like some men are just so bothered, so bothered by seeing women making the same amount of money as them, or even more Which money. Which makes than no them. sense because like everything's <laughs> better, you know, when when everybody is doing well. I mean, you listen. You've been in relationships <laughs> and and married. Listen, a happy woman who makes money is gonna spend the money on you. Right? Right? So why are, right? Why, like, why are you mad? So like if she makes more money or as much money as you, you're gonna benefit from that, right? Cause she's yeah. gonna take you on the vacation. She's gonna buy you the bomb birthday gifts. She's gonna buy the bomb lingerie. She's you know what I mean? Like, I don't even understand. Like, what like would you want a partner, a woman partner who's like broke and like not successful. I'm very confused. I just don't here. understand it. I don't understand it either. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like Chadwick was not like that. I don't think Chadwick was like that. He, and you know, just the conference, like um, while they were doing the press tour of black Panther, the way, just like his interaction mm-hmm. with, with Denai with Guerrero yeah. and Lapita <laughs> and, sh- and Letitia, you know, Letitia was like, you know, he really took me. Cause I think she said when she auditioned for Shuri, she did a table read with Chadwick and okay. she was, and she was super nervous. She was like, Oh my God, this black Panther. And she walks in the room and is like Chadwick and Kevin Feige and some other, but Chadwick was like, listen, I got you. I got you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was just, and just, yeah. Like, you know, when he would do his con, you know, his uh, interviews with Lapita and Denai- like, I don't think you can fake that. Like, no, he, and, uh, he treated them all as equals. He did. He, and and Angela Bassett, like they had such beautiful things to say about him when he passed away, mm-hmm. you know, and I just I just miss him. I, it, it just me too. His, me too. His, his passing away just, you know, like I'm not like a huge like celebrity, like, oh, my God. But it's like I think but Chadwick was more than just a celebrity or an actor. He was like our brother. He was like our son. He was our nephew. He was our uncle. You know what I mean? Like we saw so much. He was just a good person. And as we can tell from this past year and a half. Yeah. Good people are hard to come by. (laughs) They are. They really, really are. And I remember the and just talking about supporting women, his last tweet, one of his last tweets was an endorsement of Kamala Harris. Yeah, it was. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, however you may feel about Kamala, all I'm saying is this is a man who was not afraid of seeing black women step into their power and actually encouraging them to step into their power. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and I just I just 
I guess this is another, this episode could be another lesson for certain men who are watching it. Like, and I think specifically black men about like the massage noir that we see on a daily basis of how, you know, certain black men can just totally disrespect black women. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And and you have people like Chadwick and, and Ryan Coogler and, you know, people like Barry Jenkins and Jordan Peele. Like these are black men to me. Like I look up to these black men in Hollywood that are not just, walk they're not just talking the talk they're walking the walk because it's one thing to just be like oh i love and support black women but then i'm like all right but where's the receipt and and let me be clear about something sometimes when we have these conversations about black men loving black women it always comes down to what is he married to a black woman is he is he is he dating a black woman i had a you know i i got into it with some people a few years ago about you know with jordan peele because they're like well jordan peele's wife is white and i'm like okay and Right. The man right. is Look black. at this movie. Yes. Look at this movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, there's no, I was like, there's no debate. Like, I'll be honest with you, Robert. For me, the best way that a black man can express love to me is not just a romantic sexual love. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's really about showing up for me. Right. And and supporting me. And like if there's a job position, hey, Rebecca, this job you should go for. Or if Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm getting paid less and be like, like Chadwick. I mean, the woman was white, but I'm just saying like just showing up for black women um, is not just about sexual attraction. It's not just about the desirability politics. Yes, there's definitely a conversation to be had about that. But what happens is that when you when you when you put it through that frame, then it becomes very singular, right? Because yes. it's just it's just that black woman that you're sleeping with and that black woman that you're married to and F all the other black women. Right. Right. No, no, no. That's not the kind of allyship that we should be looking for with black men. We're supposed to be looking for allyship with black men that are like, um, we want you to have all the available access, the, the available resources, right? That you, that, that you need in order for you to be successful, whether you're an actress or an astronaut or a teacher. Like, that's how I want black men to show up for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not, not denigrating us and not just showing up for the black women that you find attractive that you want to fuck. Pardon my exactly. language. That's, that's not really. No, it's like even the woman that, like, for instance, I'll give a perfect example. Lizzo, right? came out with her mm-hmm. with her thing and the massage noir that this woman is getting from black men right because she dared to be a black fat woman who loves herself right and it's everybody's an armchair doctor like she needs to lose weight because she's gonna die you don't know what the hell her doctor is saying to her because Lizzo was like I have my physical every year and I'm fine and I work out it's just mm-hmm. my body doesn't look the way that you want it to right the support, right? The support from black men should be like when you see a black man denigrating Lizzo, you're supposed to stand up for her. Yes, it's not about because you think she's hot, or you know what I'm saying, or that you want to have right. sex with. But it's like it's because she, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. She's a black woman. Period. Just period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that goes for fat black women. That goes for dark skinned black women. That goes for trans women. That goes for mm-hmm. non. You know what I'm saying? Not people that you just want to have sex with, but just because of the fact that they are human beings. And um, I, I know that, I forget which book it was, uh, Toni Morrison was saying that, right? Like with black men, like we are your reflection, right? Mm-hmm. And and if you hate black women, that means you hate yourself. That's exactly what it means. It's, it's just as simple as that. You know what I mean? And, and let me be clear about something. Not every black woman 
is for you. I understand there are some toxic black women. I mean, you know, a few months ago, there was this thing where they were just like, you should support all black women. I don't support all black women. I don't support Candace Owens. Point in case in point, okay? I was just like, you know, I will never say anything denigrating about her online, but I don't support her politics. And therefore, I don't support her. You know what I mean? But I don't want anything bad to happen to her. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't want her to get hit by a car or whatever. It's just like, we just agree to disagree and you can stay over there. You know what I mean? But yeah, but all to say that I feel like Chadwick's life and just the examples that we gave is like a really great blueprint and a template of how black men can show up for black women um absolutely just support us it's just it just love us and support us and it is simple as that and to you know and, and i think black women we can protect ourselves but it's i don't think there's anything wrong uh, if a black man stands up for me once in a while i'm okay with that <laughs> you know yeah. what I, mean? I get tired sometimes i get tired of fighting and it's like you know you have your guy friend that's like yo you're not gonna talk to my girl like that like you're not gonna talk to my friend like that and you've done that for me you know what i mean like that's what allyship looks like you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. That, I, I I don't I guess I don't understand why it's so hard for so many men to do it. I mean that's the way I was raised. That's the way my dad is. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just it's sad to me that it's so such a you know we don't see get to see it that often. You we know? do, yeah. And 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 let me be clear: there are good black men out there like you. I'm not saying all black men. No, 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 not saying that. But I am saying, unfortunately, there there is a problem. In our community, I'm, I'm just talking. I mean, misogyny is everywhere. Asian communities, Latino communities, whatever. But this is our community, right? Yeah. So therefore, we can talk about what's going on in there. And there is this nasty strain of misogynoir. And Black women mm-hmm. en- engage in it, too. Let's be clear. Misogynoir is not just Black men that enacted. Black women enacted, too. Um, and I just would really like, hopefully, my nephew's generation and the generation after that, we can help maybe we can get to a better place. You know yeah. what I mean? Where black women feel loved and supported and safe and That's all of goal. that. Yeah. That's the goal for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Robert, for joining me for this episode. I just, I just, I just loved it. I just think it was just a really beautiful and fitting tribute to Chadwick and I'm sending love and light to his family and his friends. I know that they're shooting Black Panther too, right? Like they're they're starting principal photography. I think so, yeah. And my heart just goes out to that casting crew because I it's gotta be tough to come back and it's like he's not there. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And and love to Ryan Coogler because I mean he was saying that he had just finished the script for Black yeah, Panther when, too when that happened. Yeah, you know, and it was just it was just you know, and now you gotta write it because he and and and. Chadwick were really good friends mm-hmm. and now it's like I gotta you know what I'm saying and so and 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 props to Kevin Feige and the Marvel people for really listening because I can tell that they have their ear to the ground and I feel like they have handled this with the right amount of sensitivity I they think really so. have they yeah. really have and yeah. this I mean this episode proves it like this is perfect it's it's about as perfect as you can get you know i think so too i'm really looking forward to seeing him in the other episodes i'm probably gonna cry during <laughs> those two but he's just he's just left an incredible legacy and just lastly um i know that sometimes we tend to romanticize what was going on with chadwick because we found out that while he was shooting um 
the last few movies uh, like Ma Rainey's and um, Black Panther, he was fighting colon cancer, right? It was colon cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes there can be a, a romanticizing of like, oh, he was so brave and he sacrificed himself just so he could give us. And you know what I mean? But I just think about him just being a man, just waking up every morning and just like that incredible responsibility and burden that was on his shoulders while he's fighting for his life. Yeah, it's it's it just blows my mind away. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean that movie was like the most, you know, highest grossing movie of that year. Mm-hmm. It really <laughs> so was. So he was like a megastar at that point. He re- and he put he put his blood, his heart, and soul into that movie, and just the way that he advocated for that movie. Like I love the fact that he advocated for the Wakandans not to have a British accent. That was the original. Mm-hmm. He was like, no. He was like, they are Africans. They have never been colonized. They don't know what imperialism looks like. So no. <laughs> no British yeah. accents here. And so he was, you know, he was like, everybody's getting a, a dialogue coach and we're going to whatever accent we got. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. there were some people, you know, there were af- actual Africans that were critiquing that the accents and that's fine. But I would at least I rather that than for them to have spoken in a British. accent. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Sort of. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like wh- the way that we can honor Chadwick is just to continue his work. That's that's all we have to do is just to be good people. Not yes. even if you don't want to be an activist or anything like that, just within your circle or your sphere of influence. Just be a good person. It's as simple as that. So that's the way to end it. Yeah. Well, thank you, listeners, listening, uh, for listening to another episode of the Spectrum Lounge. Robert and I will be back next Wednesday to review episode three <laughs> of what if I'm not sure what episode three is. Uh, I haven't looked it up yet. Yeah, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you listening for listening to another episode of the Spectrum Lounge. See you on the other side. 